Hey, Redemption family, thanks for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you. Be sure to tune in live on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at rttnchurch.com. Listen, I just want to uh, take you to Acts chapter 1. As you go to Acts chapter 1, I want to tell you, Devin and I miss each and every one of you. We miss seeing you personally. I miss hugging your neck. I miss shaking your hand. I miss um, the things that make us family uh, when we are together. And we're thankful to God. We're thankful to God for technology, um, but we thank God for what we believe is going to be sooner rather than later the opportunity to come back together. It'll be a little different socially when we come back together. And there are things that we will do to abide by uh, the outline and those suggestions made to us to keep us all safe. But there is nothing like worshiping Jesus together. And um, I hear people, you know, the, the, there's a lot of people uh, who are, are always trying to fix people and they get on my nerves. They get on my nerves when you always try to fix somebody with a pure heart. Somebody says, I can't wait to go back to church. And somebody says, I'm the church by myself at home. Well, we're glad that you're the church by yourself at home. But there's something about being together with the body of Christ. We are the church and we will be the church but we also come together to worship him corporately and all those things are scriptural. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray for God to continue to heal our nation. I want you to pray for God to give uh, vaccines if you take them, if you don't, you don't have to. Yeah, we, we, we just want all hands on deck, everything God can give us in this nation and around this world to provide healing and strength and a better way of life. That's what I'm praying for. So that sooner rather than later, we don't have to have all of these red tape things separating us and changing our way of life. We just need God to heal America. And we do need to come back together. And we pray the Lord would heal, that God would give us all wisdom, that the Lord would keep us strong and healthy and full of faith. Because I believe very soon we're going to see something happen in the nation of the, the nations of this world. I believe it's going to be like the third great awakening. And that's sort of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the season that we're living in. And I want to talk about engaging an epoch season. Engaging an epoch season. I want you to look with me for a moment at Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. Today I'm reading out of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Watch this. Let's read this together wherever you're watching from. Let's read it. So when they had come together, the disciples were asking him, saying, Lord, is it, watch, is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Look at his response, verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. They ask him a question in verse 6. Is it time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel. He responded in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs 
which the Father has fixed by his own authority. And that's a unique word, E-P-O-C-H, epoch. And I want to talk about epoch seasons and how you and I as sons and daughters of God engage the epoch season that we're living in now. Father, for the next few moments, I pray for your spirit to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation to teach it, that they could receive it in a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, this is a deep word, it's a heavy word, so I pray that you'll by your spirit keep our attention, you'll help me teach with clarity and with concision and that we'll get right to the point and that the people of God will receive not just information but revelation and impartation today. We are in need of the Spirit's food. Feed us. Father, feed us till we won't know more. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all you've done and for what you're doing today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in this house and wherever you are engaging in epoch season. So for the last several weeks, we have been preaching from the book of Acts. And I believe the reason that this is happening is because the book of Acts is so germane and relevant to the situation we find ourselves in and the place we are living in in history. Uh, in one sense, we've never been this way before. Everyone watching me right now, everyone watching me right now is living in a moment where it is safe to say we've never been this way before. In one way, we've never experienced this, but in another way, there is a blueprint laid out in the book of Acts for handling the unknown and dealing with the unexpected. In the text here in Acts chapter 1, it is very clear and obvious, and we are reminded very, very quickly in Acts chapter 1, we are reminded that the church doesn't like the unknown. The disciples here do not like not knowing the particular dates and the calendar of God, and they reveal this by asking Jesus, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? The apostles continually asked Jesus this question because they wanted to know the future. They wanted to know the date and the time and, and is this the time when Israel's kingdom would be restored? Specifically, they wanted to know when the restoration of the kingdom of Israel would happen and they wanted the information and the foresight from Jesus about the future. And I want you to look at Jesus and how he responds to his disciples when they wanted to know the details and the dates about the future. He does, he, he does not ignore them, but he essentially tells them to mind their business, that they shouldn't even be focused on knowing the future. Listen, instead of telling them the dates and the details about the future, he tells them about the promise of God's power that will be available to them and that the world will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of their witness. And in verse 7, he moves away from their desire to know the times and the epochs. And he moves them into a position to understand that they are almost they are in the, in, the, in the reach of an intimate invasion of the Holy Spirit. There is coming an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
They're going to be endued with power from on high and they're going to become the devil's worst nightmare. This is interesting because on the one hand, Jesus tells them you're not going to know the future. You're not going to know all the dates. You're not going to know all the details um, because Paul would remind us that we see through a glass dimly. Even the most accurate prophets don't get all of the details and the dates. Jesus is telling them, I'm not going to give you all the dates and the details, but then he says, I'm going to fill you with Holy Spirit. And what you must understand is that this presents a tension because on the one hand, he says, you're not going to know but then he says, I'm going to fill you with someone who knows everything. I will remind you what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He said, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. Watch. But he has revealed it to them by the Holy Spirit. What's the point? On the one hand, Jesus says, you're not going to know all the dates and all the details. But then out of the same breath, he says, but I'm going to fill you with Holy Spirit who knows everything. And, and now we are called to reconcile the tension of the two. Uh, people of God, we want to know how this is all going to pan out. We want to know dates and details. And the reality is we would like to know the future. But the future is going to be taken by people of faith. We're not going to win in the future just because we've got insider information. We're going to win in the future even when we don't know what the future holds. We're going to win because we know who holds the future in his hand. And what the text is teaching us here is a tension. A tension between not knowing but having someone who does. And in Matthew chapter 16, we see this unfold in a greater way. Don't miss this. Taking notes, write it down. In Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to Jesus to test him. And they ask Jesus for a sign from heaven. And listen to his response. Now watch this. He replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm for today because the sky is red and threatening. Jesus said to them, those who asked for a sign, he said, do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the epoch, the season that you are living in? Jesus doesn't rebuke them because they cannot see the future. He rebukes them because they are unable to discern the present season they're living in. Jesus will never rebuke you and I. He'll never rebuke the church for not knowing the future because the reality is as prophetic as we are and as much as God shows us, there are details and dates that happen that we are not going to be aware of. But the reality is there is never a season we enter that we should not be able to discern what moment we're living in. And I want to tell you today, you may not know the future, but you are called to discern this season. You and I are called to discern the season, the epoch that we're living in. And my concern, the weight of this word that I carry today, I'm not concerned that we don't know the future because we're not, we're not necessarily called to know everything there is to know about the future. 
But we cannot afford to miss the epoch that we're living in. We can't afford to be undiscerning. You know, over in the Old Testament, David is talking about his different tribes. And one of the tribes that David mentions as he is giving sort of a rundown of all of those troops who are part of his army, one of those tribes is the tribe of Issachar, the sons of Issachar. It's interesting to me that David is getting ready to battle. He mentions the people who, who have bows, the people who have shields. He mentions those who have swords. I mean, it's like he's talking about um, the Green Berets or, or, or the Secret Service or those guys that are just the Navy SEALs, those guys that are just bad to the bone. He's talking about all these warriors. But right in the middle of talking about all these warriors who are necessary for victory in battle, David mentions a group of people called the sons of Issachar. Their specialty, listen, is not in being, swinging a sword or shooting a bow and arrow or having a shield or some military operation. Their secret and their essential uh, 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 quality is that they have an understanding of the times, that they tell the leaders what Israel ought to be doing. See, this is the kind of thing we need in this moment, family. We need the anointing, the grace of Issachar resting on the church so that the church is not just missing a moment or allowing time to run past us, but we need the anointing and the grace of Issachar so that we know what God is saying and God is doing so that we know what season we're living in. And today that is what Jesus says in Matthew 16. It's what he says in Acts chapter 1. Stop worrying about knowing the future. Just don't miss the season. Don't miss the epoch that you're living in. Now, I use this word epoch, and I read from the NASB because it is a unique word. Epoch in Webster's Dictionary. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. I'm going to go real slow today. This is a teaching. You're going to have, this is heavy. There's a lot here, and I want you to process this. Go back and watch it again. An epoch is a point in time beginning a new or distinctive period, okay? An epoch is a point in time that begins a new or distinctive period. Now, let me go deep for just a minute right here. I don't want to lose you, but I want to establish a foundation of how a God who is infinite and he doesn't know the limitations of time, how does that kind of God operate in this thing called time? Well, first of all, you have to understand that there is a thing called time and a thing called epoch, and they are very different words here in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Time is the Greek word chronos, and epoch uh, is where we get a Greek word um, that means a pause. Now, epoch was actually used in playwriting and in screen production before it was ever used in the Bible. When the Greeks would go to a play to watch the play happen, in between scenes, there were things called epochs. An epoch was almost like an intermission. It was a pause that transitioned the play from one act to another. When we say that we see times and seasons in the earth, when we understand this thing called time and, and how it functions in humanity 
and how it functions from a place of uh, understanding it from how God sees it in a place of deity, you must understand that, that epochs are seasons of pause where events happen that start a new act in the play. It's a new epoch. It's a new season. Something has come to an end. Something new is beginning. If you're not aware of the epoch, then the entire play can be confusing. You've got to make sure that you know the moment the play is changing scenes. Uh-huh. The, N- the NASB, instead of using the word season, uses the word epoch. And there has to be a delineation between what we call time and epochs. And let me show you why. The Greek word for time is chronos. Write it down. C-H-R-O-N-O-S. You've heard me teach this before. You've heard other people teach this before. Chronos has to do with the linear measurement of existence. Okay, follow me here. The linear measurement of existence, both history and the future of earth, the history of earth and the future of earth have existed in a thing called time. There was a space before time began called eternity past. There was a space in the future when time will end called eternity. In both of those spaces, eternity past and eternity future, time did not and will not exist. However, when God created and involved himself in the creation of man and the affairs of earth, he put the earth on a clock called time. He already has decided what the end of this thing called time is going to look like. He already decided what the end of the earth will be. He's already decided that the redeemed are going to overcome. He's already decided that Jesus is going to overcome the Antichrist and those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb are going to sing a song that angels cannot sing. He's already told us how this thing's going to end. I don't have to listen to Fox News or CNN tonight to find out how it's going to end. Like the All Saints said in the church I was raised in, I've already read the back of the book and we are going to overcome. Now this is good news that God who operates outside of time is not just in time with us, but is actually able to stand at the end and call us to the end. And we are, we are role players, as it were, in this unfolding act of humanity. Now watch this. He being the master producer calls the shots knowing every moment in time. Time, chronos. Chronos is the ticking of the seconds that turn into the minutes. The minutes turn into the hours. The hours turn into the days. The days turn into the weeks. The weeks turn into the months. The months turn into the years. The years turn into the decades. The decades become centuries. And every moment that has been and will be on the linear measurement of this thing called time It's captured in a second. It's captured in a moment. Watch this. And there are events that happen within moments on that linear, that linear calendar, that measurable space called time. There are moments, there are events rather that happened in those moments. Watch this. And when those moments come and those events occur, 
It's not just that something expires called time linearly. It's that something is initiated vertically in the heavens called an epoch. If you could see it like this, when, when Noah heard that the flood was coming, he built a boat for the saving of his house. And the day that Noah and his family got into the boat, at that moment the door was shut by the hand of God. In that moment, in that second, that very event in the linear counting measurable thing called time, that very event initiated an epoch vertically in the heavens. You understand what I'm saying? On earth it looked like time. In the heavens it was a new season. Flip over to the book of Exodus. When God brings Israel out of Egypt the night that the death angel passed through, in the moment the death angel walked through Israel, when the blood was on the doorpost, the death angel had to pass over Israel was freed and, and, and set at liberty. Egypt and their firstborn, the firstborn of Egypt, in cattle, beast, everything, children, everything died in that one moment. In that, it just took one moment for that to occur on earth, but what happened in that one moment of it happening on earth released a new season in the heavenlies. When they crossed over the Jordan River, they crossed out of the wilderness into the promised land. In one day, it happened. Now, it took 40 years to get there, but in one moment, they crossed over. When they crossed over in that one moment in the natural, it released a new epoch season in the spirit. My point is this. There are things that are inaugurated. There are seasons, watch this, and epochs. Epochs that are released. Seasons that are began with one event in the earth that could be a series of events that means a new season is happening in the heavens. And here's the, here's the issue. The issue is sometimes God is making it so clear on earth that there is a change, a shift, a new direction. And we can't afford to be undiscerning people who miss it. And I'm terribly afraid in this moment that we're living right now, a new epoch is unfolding. I mean, we're living in unique times. And I, I, I'm certainly including this COVID-19 situation, but family, this is far greater than a virus outbreak. Something's happening in the spirit. Something's happening in the heavenlies. Listen, when Israel crossed over a Red Sea naturally, they crossed over into promised land spiritually. Something is happening in the earth right now. God is trying to show us the power of, of contagions, how the entire world, I preached on this two weeks ago, how the entire world can be shifted by one person who gets a virus and spreads it around. God, I, 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 I don't believe God sent it. I don't believe God created it. I believe God is trying to speak through it. Hey, 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 you can actually get so, you can get so touched by God that the world can know Jesus is alive simply because you hosted him and became contagious with the goodness of God. I believe God's trying to show us something here. I believe instead
that, watch, of a pandemic of fear breaking out, God is reminding the church as people of faith that sometimes because of the, of, of the, of the issues and because of demonic powers and principalities, can we just be real for a moment? I, I hear a lot of people blaming God for this sickness, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about the devil. And I want to tell you right now, it's the devil who's wreaking havoc. That's why men's faith are failing them and fear is abounding and people are terrified. And people, listen, the enemy wants you to think God is that kind of God. And he wants me and you to think that the, that the enemy had nothing to do with. I want to tell you right now, it was the devil that has tried to wreak havoc in the nations. It's the enemy that's tried to keep you up at night. It's the enemy that's kept people in ICU. It is God. God that sent his son to, to free the world and to heal the world and to save the world. Let's get the story straight here. He's a good God. We serve a good God and we're living, watch this, we're living in an epoch, a new epoch. I mean, we're living in a, in a unique time even in this year, right between Passover and Pentecost. You, got the, you have the virus going on, but there's so much more going on. I mean, you, we have an entire nation a communist nation, North Korea, where their leader, some reports say he's already dead, some say he's barely hanging on, some say he's fine. We don't really know. Here's what I do know. There's an epoch coming for the nation of North Korea. Yes, there is. And what will, watch this. All it takes is one, one event that sovereign God already knows is coming. When that one event happens in this thing called time, it releases an epoch, a new season for a new nation. It's happening in this nation. And when a new epoch comes, I think there are a couple of questions you have to ask yourself to make sure that you engage a new season appropriately. And listen, when we say new season, I know that that term has been so used, it's got so much traction and tread on it that it's almost lost its power. But Jesus said, there are times and seasons. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse, pardon me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1 says that there is this thing called times and epochs. Paul even told the church at Thessalonica, you don't even need me to teach you about the times and epochs. I already taught you. Read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1, he's, he said, you don't need me to talk to you about times and epochs and seasons. I've already taught you that. Why did he teach them that? Because it was important that they understood the calendar of God. Even though we don't know all the details, even though we don't have all the dates, we are called to discern the epoch that we're living in. And there are too many people in the church, watch, trying to prop up an old season. Trying to prop up where God used to be. Trying to prop up how he used to move. Can you imagine? <laughs> I heard Chris Valentin say this in a teaching a couple of days ago. Can you imagine if you were the gold star manna gatherer for Israel on this side of the river? I mean, you were the best at gathering manna every morning. You were the best. Can you imagine being the best manna gatherer and then God takes you over the Jordan River, you enter the promised land, and all of a sudden the people who were important in one season are no longer as significant in the new season. This is one reason why in a new epoch, watch this, I've said this for a number of months now, some voices become irrelevant and new voices emerge. Why? Because when God initiates a new season in the earth, you will quickly be able to tell 
who cannot go with the new season. And most of the time they cannot go with the new season because the new season doesn't accommodate their gift and their wineskin. And instead of changing and becoming who they're called to be in a new season, they are terrified. They are terrified that they are no longer important. And in the name of preserving self, they try to... They try to rebuke everybody who's embracing the new season and get people to look back at the old season where they were important. Can you imagine when God takes a whole people? What, what, you, know what, you know what is not happening right now? What is not happening right now? And what is th this superstar preacher thing is just not, <laughs> it ain't lasting right now. We don't have the crowds to feed our ego. We don't have the crowds to feed our ego. We don't have the energy in the building to sustain what we call the move of God. What we're having to do right now is go back to a place of prayer, stay in love with Jesus, hear the voice of the Lord. This is a new epoch. God is, God is ripping off the facade of disingenuous Christianity and he's calling us back to a place of authenticity where the very power of God strikes our soul like lightning and where we feel the fire of God in our spirit. That's where God's taking us back to. It's nonsense where we're just, listen, there's, there might be eight people in this room right now. There, I don't know how many are where you are, but I'm going to tell you this right now. One of the things that is happening in this season that we are living in. I said it a month and a half ago, seven weeks ago. This is a reset. I often prayed and asked the Lord, how are you going to get the body away from this boxed Christianity where it's about pop-up and big stuff and, and all the bells and whistles and it's not about Jesus that much anymore. How are we going to get back to what this is really all about? I never understood that a microscopic, almost invisible virus could shake the world into a place that the church would no longer be able to lean on the arm of the flesh, but now we've got to trust in the hand of the living God. It's where we are in the spirit right now. We're in a new epoch. And I just want to tell you, preacher, if you're counting down the days to get back to normal, God sent me to tell you, you better have a funeral for what used to be. And you better bury what used to be. And you better, you better understand that God is getting ready to do something in this earth that it will not be sustained by mere crowds and excitement. It's going to have to have the power of God. And we need it. Our people are dying. They're coming to church, but they're lean in soul. And the Spirit of God is wanting us to get back to a place. Listen, I'm not going back to the good old days because the good old days are yet ahead of us. I believe that with all my heart. But there are people who are trying to live in an old season. There are a couple of things that have to happen, and I've got to hurry, but there's a couple of things that have to happen when you enter into a new epoch, a new season. First of all, you got to know what to hold on to. There are some things when you enter a new season that you can't let go of. It's why God told Israel this Passover that I'm going to give you, keep it for every generation. I don't care how long you live and how far you go. I want you to keep the Passover. Seasons will change. Times will come and times will go. New epochs will hit the earth, but keep the Passover. Why? He said, I want you to know that you got to have the blood and you always got to have the lamb. 
Can I tell you today that even when Jesus came on the scene, John didn't change what had to be kept. He was baptizing people in the river Jordan. And when Jesus walked up, he stopped the baptism service, pointed at Jesus, and he didn't say, behold the preacher. He didn't say, behold the bishop. He didn't say, behold the potentate. He said, behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world. Why? Because even though the season was changing, the people still had to have a lamb. And I want to report to you today, we still need to keep the lamb. The lamb is the main thing. The main thing is not your following. It's not our blue check mark. It's not how many people like us. The main thing is the man Jesus. He is the lamb of God. And no matter what changes in this earth, some things will never change. And the thing that will not change is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the good news for every lost man, woman, boy, and girl, and that by his name and through his blood, men can be saved and set free. Seasons change. Epochs change. Events happen that inaugurate and initiate a new season on earth, but don't you ever think for a moment, Paul said it like this, if an angel comes to you preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. Why? Because Jesus is the message and the message doesn't ever change. You ready for this? Outside of that, just about everything else changes. Well, I just ticked off half the viewership. I see people getting off the Facebook right now. Because you don't want someone to tell you that outside the man, Jesus, the Lamb of God, outside of him, his cross, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, his virgin birth. Outside of him, outside of that message, most everything changes in the church. And when a new epoch season comes, it ain't time to quit preaching Jesus. Keep preaching Jesus. That's the only thing that doesn't need to change. You ready for this? When seasons change and epochs change and moments that we've never experienced, like the one we're living in, come. When those moments come, we have to say what doesn't change, and I just told you what doesn't change, and the next question we ask is, what needs to change? You know, I read an article this week. It's very interesting to me. Uh, periodically, we get, as I'm sure most online preachers do, uh, we get uh, hate mail. Yes, we get hate mail. And a lot of the hate mail has to do with being an online church, providing an online worshiping platform. People say that um, that's not necessary. It's not even scriptural. You know, you're a technology guru and you've lost. I've, I, we've heard it all. I've heard it all. You're not Pentecostal anymore. You're on TV. You know, you got lights and you got a screen. Oh, God, a screen. Smoke, Jesus. Got the real glory. You don't need the smoke. I've heard it all. All of a sudden, in the last six weeks, I don't hear much from those people anymore. Do you know I read an article this past week? Listen to this. This is unbelievable. 8,800, 9,000, 9,000 churches started an online worship service in the last six weeks. 9,000 churches started an online worship experience in the last six weeks. Why? Because the epoch has changed. 
When the epoch changes, what do you think that's about, Pastor Kevin? I think it's about God being fed up with Pornhub having all of the views and the social media world being largely ignored by the people of God. I'm not getting no help. As if God would allow an entire world of viewership to be abandoned to darkness with all of these porn industries taking over. In this article that I read, it said that the largest porn manufacturer in the world actually, don't miss this, I'm saying something right here. Some of you are nervous because I'm talking about pornography and you might not, you, you, you might need to understand we're living in a moment where God is putting his finger on a disease, not just in America, but the world. Italy and France, do you know what the largest porn industry leader did in Italy and France during this coronavirus? They made their premium content available for free to those who live in Italy and France because they've been quarantined and needed an outlet. And we have people arguing that, well, bless God, we're not going to be engaged in technology. I think the Lord said, there's a new epoch here. There's a new season here. I know we're going to go back to having church. I'm ready for that. I'm excited about that. But I'm going to tell you this morning in prayer, God, God, I really believe with all my heart, God said to me, Kevin, I will forever from this moment forward keep my fingerprints on the social media world because I care about souls. And things that you may not like or appreciate, things you may not even care about, all of a sudden become a tool through which the Spirit of God can work to touch souls. This is not about your preference, sir. I don't care if you sit in blue jeans with flip-flops on in front of your couch with a pillow on your lap and and an iPad in front of your face. Whatever it is, preach the gospel. Whether it's the 10,000 or 10, this is a moment for us to say an epoch is shifting, it's changing. And I can either stay irrelevant because I refuse to discern the new epoch we're living in or I can make adjustments so that the message Christ has given me can touch people who need his love and his gospel. This is crazy. Before all this started, I'm going to tell her she's going to be so mad. Pray for me. Devin cannot stand social media. She doesn't like it at all. But somewhere uh, around the latter quarter of last year, Jeremiah My 18-year-old son talked his mother into becoming relevant. (laughs) So she started a Facebook page, and she started an Instagram page, and he wears her out all the time. Mom, we need to make a picture of this. Mom, we need to announce this. Mom, we need to do this. And you want me to tell you what's happening in this entire situation? Because Dev understood the power. Well, first she heard the Spirit of God, and secondly, the Spirit of God told her to get in that in that, uh, that, that arena because I believe he knew this moment was coming. And, and every single week, thousands of ladies are joining a prayer meeting. What would happen if that little ball of fire didn't have a Facebook page right now? Women of fire. What would happen if she didn't have that? Is the world going to go to hell? No, but the people that she's called to reach are being connected A new epoch season, a new epoch season, watch this, means you got to ask yourself the question, 
What new tools do I need? What new tools do I need? Uh -huh. Noah went from being a builder to being a man who planted the vineyard. He had to put up his hammer and he had to get out a shovel to plant. He had to get new tools for a new season. What, what, what is this new season telling you you need to get rid of? And what is this season we're coming into? And this is not a, just about a technology thing. Although you can't miss that. This is, this is not about, this is about us discerning that, that what we want to go back to that we call normal may never exist again like it did. One of the most challenging things, and this is probably going to be for Christian leaders more than it is for anyone else, one of the most challenging things that you and I have to do in new epoch seasons is we have to determine, am I going to try to prop up what has been and remain the leader I was, or am I going to embrace the new epoch, the new season that is dawning? What events are happening that are releasing a new epoch in the earth? I mean, you have the coronavirus, you have, you have North Korea. There, there are multitudes. And I'm telling you, it ain't through yet. I don't mean in a negative, fearful way. I mean, we are in the time right now. I would not be surprised at all in the next six, eight weeks to see cataclysmic events, significant transitions, stories changing, Headlines being altered. People who you thought were destined for one thing, all of a sudden, they're not in the conversation anymore. We are in that kind of season right now. And every one of those events that happen in the earth in this thing called time are releasing realities in the heavenlies that are going to be seasons. Watch this. It, every one of these epochs is an end to an old act an old chapter in the play. And when these events happen on earth, it is releasing a new reality in the heavenlies. And my concern is that we don't know how to engage a new epoch. We don't know how to steward it. Brian, come help me. I'm almost through. We don't know how to steward it. When God starts making a shift, instead of saying, what do I need to keep? which is the gospel. What do I need to get rid of? You know what's hard for some people who were successful in a previous season to recognize that the thing that made them successful in a previous season may not even be a tool they have in their bag to use in the next season. What do I need to get rid of that might just be dead weight? What do I need to get? My favorite thing that's happened in this entire COVID pandemic quarantine shut-in, my favorite thing that happened are these preachers and these priests who try to do Facebook Live and put a filter on. Like bunny ears was on one preacher, big glasses was on another preacher, one looked like a little dog with ears and a long nose, and they have no clue that they're talking to hundreds of people and they look like a cartoon. Why? What's the point? The point is they got a new tool. They're having to sharpen how they use it, right? Sometimes there's a curve. Some of you leaders today are 
you're experiencing the curve of a new tool in the bag, of, of a shift in how you're doing this. You're, you're, you're using things you've never used before. And there's some getting used to new things. I just felt like God wanted me to tell you, keep embracing the season. Don't, don't get nervous about the change. Your willingness to remain moldable and pliable and obedient to God is what will cause you to continue to be relevant. There are preachers, I've talked to some in the last several weeks who don't know if they'll have a church when this is over. They don't even know if they'll have a ministry. And I keep telling them the calling of God. God considered this moment when he called you. It didn't catch him off guard. And maybe what you're afraid of is that the old you may not be needed anymore. And I feel like God wants me to tell someone the old you and the old tools you used to be really good at using, maybe they won't be quite as effective as they used to be. But the Spirit of God knows what you need. And if you'll ask him, he'll make you a new wineskin that can hold fresh wine for a new outpouring. You look back through history, Old Testament, you got the fall, the flood. You have the exodus. You have David becoming king. All these are epoch seasons that created a transition of living in the earth. Then you flip the page from Malachi to Matthew, and you have epoch seasons in the New Testament. You have the preaching of John the Baptist, the incarnation of Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus, the betrayal and crucifixion of Jesus. All these are epoch seasons. And then you have the resurrection, and then you flip over to the book of Acts, and then you have the day of Pentecost. All of these epoch seasons, when these moments occurred on earth, they released a new reality, a new season in the heavenlies. You keep following it all the way down through history. Early 1700s, what happens? A new epoch comes. Why? We've lived in the dark ages. We've lived under the tyranny of religious bondage. And now you have preachers. The great reformation begins. People start hearing the message of grace. Preachers start flocking to America to, to find freedom. And the first great awakening happens. Seventy years later, second great awakening happens. Men like Charles Finney who preached on repentance and personal salvation and the world, the nation of America. America goes up in revival flames, the second great awakening that affected all of history. A hundred years later, the son of an emancipated African-American slave from Louisiana, one of eight children, William Seymour, goes to a city on the West Coast and begins to pray with a band of believers at a house on Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles. A year ago, Devin and I had the privilege to go to Los Angeles and we wanted to go visit the little house where the Holy Ghost fell. And the story goes that he began to teach them about the baptism of the Spirit and they began to have a prayer meeting. And one afternoon, one minute in time, the Spirit falls on the front porch of that house on Bonnie Bray Street. People began speaking in tongues, the power of God got so real and the crowd got so big that the entire porch collapsed. <laughs> one minute. What happened in that one moment when that entire porch collapsed is that religious walls collapsed with it. It opened up an epoch in the heavens. That's why today we have great moves of God that are spirit-empowered moves of God happening all over the earth. Why? Because one son 
of an emancipated African-American slave from Louisiana heard the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, went to Los Angeles and prayed till heaven came down. Over 120 years later, we're standing in the middle of a pandemic. Some would call it a quarantine, although it's getting ready to lift. Can I hear three people praise God that it's starting to lift? Hallelujah. Standing in the middle of another moment in time that is releasing another epoch in the earth. Please hear me. None of this caught God by surprise. Please. Jesus. Please stop living in panic like life may never be what it used to be. What if it was better than it used to be? What if the change is happening now? I preached it last week. I believe it. I'm going to stand on it. Acts 9.31, after the season of pain, after the season of turmoil and testing, after running for their lives, after persecution, after things falling apart, a season of peace, a season of multiplication, a season of comfort, and a season of strength came to the body. We are not going out hiding in a cave talking about the Antichrist and how bad COVID-19 was. Do you hear me? We're not leaving this earth talking about how we barely made it. No, man. We're not going home talking about farther along. We'll know all about it. We are going home saying, look what God has done in our generation. We, we took a moment. We took a, a space in time. A new epoch came. And instead of just missing it and letting it go by, we said we're not going to become an irrelevant church trying to build old monuments and reproduce old moments. Something powerful is happening in the earth. Jesus is still alive. His gospel is still the message. His power is still available. His love still saved. His church is still on the move. This is not the time for you and I to go hide in a hole somewhere. This is time to look at the spiritual sky we're living in and to discern God is up to something here. I don't know all the dates and I don't know all the details, but I can discern the season. And we're in a new epoch. We're in a new epoch. We're in a new season. We're not going back. The Lord spoke to me a couple of days ago riding down the road in my car. He said, Kevin, there are going to be some churches that were wrestling Jezebel before this pandemic. They're going to go back the first Sunday they go back that spirit's not going to be there anymore. Why? Because principalities need personalities to manifest through. And there's a lot of people who had a spirit of Jezebel that don't want anything to do with the price that's going to have to be paid after this pandemic is over to be a part of the body of Christ. And those people are not going to be church bosses anymore. You're going to find a strange absence of people operating in a spirit. I'm telling you, there's a freedom coming on the body of Christ. You, you wait till you get back to worship. <laughs> you wait till you get back till you can come together as the people of God and the body of Christ. I'm declaring right now, there is a coming season. And these events that we're living in the middle of right now, they, they are inaugurating a new epoch in the earth. I believe that much like the world was changed by the first and second great awakening, There is coming a third great awakening on the earth and it will come out of the heart, out of the belly, out of the spirit of a people who are fed up with church as normal and just having a taste of religion. They want the power of God. And it's coming. 
It's going to shift. It's going to, every mountain we've been prophesying and preaching and praying about, every mountain of society, the education mountain, the finance mountain, the political, the governmental mountain, the, 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 the mountains of, of entertainment, the mountains of sports, all of these mountains, I declare and prophesy. I don't know all the dates. I don't know all the details, but events are happening in the earth. God is going to get the attention of humanity. The season is going to shift. The word of God is going to be multiplied. And People's lives are going to be changed. I'm telling you right now, in this evil world that we live, I am not overcome with hopelessness. I am not, we are not overcome with darkness. We are people of the light. And the light's going to win. Don't miss the season. Ah, don't miss the season. Lord, whatever you're doing, in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me. Somebody, wherever you are, just throw your hands up here, there. If you want God to make your life count in what he's getting ready to do in the earth, I'm not talking about for your glory or mine. I'm, I'm talking about so that Jesus can receive the reward of his suffering, so that lost men and women can come into the kingdom, so that cities can, can know the love and the power of God, so that entire generations can be moved closer to the heart of God. If you want your life to be consumed, being spent for his glory, I don't want my children to miss this epoch. I don't want my, my wife and my church to miss the epoch we're moving into. I'm not going to sit over there in that office across the street and think about how good it used to be before COVID happened. I'm telling you right now, the devil will wish he never messed with this nation. There is a tribe, a remnant rising up who have an intercession in their belly. Heaven is breaking open. The bowl, the bowl of prayer is brimming to the top. It's about to overflow. We're coming into a new epoch. Wherever you are, just lift your hands if you want them to use you. I don't say that in some rhetorical way. I need people right now who want heaven to see. Every hand that's lifted, heaven's taking note right now. I don't want to miss the season. I don't want to miss the discerning of the epoch we're in. Even in these next six to eight weeks, these next several months are going to be significant. I don't know the dates. I don't know the details. I'm just telling Tapache. I'm telling you, I sense that God is on the move in the earth. I sense that the Spirit of God events are happening. And to the natural eye, they look like headlines on a newspaper. But in the Spirit, new seasons are opening up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me.
only thing not changing in this season is the message, the man, Christ Jesus. But methods are changing. In this seasonal shift, priority. Preachers, your budget is about to reflect the epoch that you've just come into. <laughs> you don't have to spend $50,000 on a choir robe anymore. You might want to get a camera. Prop it up. Prop it up if you want to. Put it on life support. God, I feel the Holy Ghost on me. Try to keep it alive like it used to be. You're missing your season, sir. There's a new epoch happening in the earth. I don't want to lose Pentecost. I didn't say anything about losing the power of God. I didn't say anything about losing the power of Jesus. Just maybe some of your methods and your styles. It's a new epoch. It's a new season. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. I, 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 I feel like I need to go pray some more. I just, I don't want to miss the season. I don't want the church to miss the season. Can you lift your hands right where you are? Jesus, right now, I pray for men and women of God. People who are full of hopelessness. They're even full of depression because they're worried about the future. Lord, this season we're just entering into, these events that are, that are indications of an inauguration of a new season and a new epoch. We don't know the dates and the details, but we don't want to miss what you're doing in the earth. Somebody's watching me right now. You need Christ to save you. Maybe you've never known him, or maybe you did and you've fallen away. Maybe, maybe you've never been to church. Maybe you were raised in church, but right now you're a million miles away from Jesus. I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd give an altar call on a camera to somebody I can't see. I really wanted you to come down to the altar, but we're in a new epoch. We're in a new season. Some of you are going to let me know today. I just gave my heart to Jesus when you prayed that prayer with me, Pastor Kevin. So if you want Christ to be the Lord of your life, I feel the Lord is saving, going to save people right now. I don't care if you have a joint in your right hand and a margarita in your left hand. I don't care who you slept with last night and what you snorted off a table. You're watching me right now and you're wondering, is he talking to me? Yes, I am. I'm talking to you, Bobby. I'm talking to you, Billy. I'm talking to you, Susie. I'm talking to whoever your name is. You need Jesus to save you. And what you're feeling right now is called conviction. It's a sign God's knocking on the door of your heart. Pray this prayer with me and let him in. Say, dear God, I need Jesus, your son, to save me today. I believe, Lord, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come in and be the Lord of my life today. Forgive me of all my sins and make me your son. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. And I accept salvation in Christ Jesus now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or you prayed it because you just recommitted your heart, I just want you to send us through our prayer link there. There's a link. It says prayer. If you'll click that link, let us know you prayed that prayer. Somebody's going to reach out to you from our team today. We're going to let you know you're part of the family of God and everything we can do to help you walk this walk with Jesus. That's what we're here for. I love you. May the Lord bless you. Whatever you do, don't miss this season. In Jesus' name, God bless you.